it's quite ironic that thoughts in meditation can actually mean that you're meditating quite well. You're getting a lot of benefits out of your meditation. It's just not what we expect meditation to be. We think meditation should be about stillness and silence. And one of the big things that surprises people when I teach them the course of meditation is when I share with them the mechanical process as to why you're going to get thoughts in meditation, why that indicates stress being cleared out of the body. And that's a good thing. And our primary focus with the particular style of meditation that I teach, Vedic meditation, is the primary focus of that is actually to clear stress out of the system, not to get into stillness. When we get attached to stillness, then we're going to get in the way of the process. What we want to do is surrender our attachment and expectation of the process and just go through the process. And whatever unravels and whatever unfolds in the process, we just take it as it comes. It's all part of the process. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another enlightening episode of Unleash Thyself. I'm Konstantin Morun, and today we're pivoting from the struggles that hold us back and turning our focus to the success that's waiting just around the corner. Are you ready for a transformation? Well, so is our guest, Tom Cronin. Tom is no stranger to the pressures and anxieties that modern life can throw at you. Picture this, 26 grueling years on a trading room floor, battling with anxiety, depression, and even a nervous breakdown. Sounds like the stuff of nightmares, right? But Tom didn't just survive. He thrived by discovering the ancient yet ever-relevant art of meditation. He went from crisis to clarity, and now he's sharing that journey with the world. Tom's not just a meditation teacher, he's a living testimony to the power of human transformation. From the boardrooms of Amazon and Coca-Cola to the big stages at international conferences, Tom is spreading wisdom that doesn't just entertain or inform, but empowers. In today's episode, we're plunging into the depths of transcendental meditation, a practice so transformative that Tom has dedicated his life to sharing the beauty of it with all of us. We're talking life-changing benefits, better sleep, reduced anxiety, a deeper connection to your higher self, and yes, true success in every facet of your life. So I ask you this, are you trapped in societal or familiar conditioning, struggling to find a balance in your hectic lifestyle? I know I've been there myself in the past. We'll tackle how to shatter these barriers and why meditation is not a one-hit wonder, but a tool that compounds its blessings over time. And we'll also discuss Tom's book and movie, The Portal, a compelling narrative that takes inspiration from the iconic The Secret. But before we jump in, if this podcast has been expanding your horizons, do us a favor. Hit that like button, subscribe to Unleash Thyself, and leave us a review or comment. Your support is our fuel, and it helps us continue to bring you game-changing content week after week. So, prepare to shift from the struggle to the sublime. Get ready to unlock the wisdom that is innate within you. Your better self is not a distant dream. It's just a podcast episode away. Let's get started. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Tom Cronin to the show. Tom, we can't wait to hear more about your experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you're on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Tom, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have a more in-depth conversation about everything that you've learned in this beautiful life, everything you've done, because like many of us, you come from a corporate background. 
in which you worked quite a few years, but you weren't necessarily happy and you had a lot of anxiety to worry about and other things that didn't necessarily allow you to find that joy and fulfillment and happiness that life can bring us. So what would you like to start with your journey? Yeah, I guess if we go back to that moment in time when it was a very much a catalyst for change in my life, it was one of those pivot moments. And the thing with crisis, crisis is it's a mechanism that the universe has. It's an intelligent design to either help us break through ideally or we break down. And one of the, it's going to be one of those two things. Crisis is always usually that sort of breaking point where we either go through and break through the resistance that's holding us back from realizing our true potential or we break down because we just don't realize that true potential. And so for me, that happened in my late 20s where I'd been a broker for many years. I had started my career as a broker at the age of 19. And it was very much Wolf of Wall Street stuff, you know, big trading room floor, lots of drinking, lots of partying, lots of drugs, lots of intense work, very fast, very furious workload. And over the years, my body started to really show the wear and tear of that type of lifestyle. It just was not normal for my body to go through what I was putting it through. And the body was trying to yell out at me saying, don't do this, don't do this. But I didn't listen to it. And of course, it just got louder and louder, that communication, till eventually I got to that breakdown or breakthrough moment, which was in my late 20s, where it really was an extreme state of panic attacks, depression, insomnia, agoraphobia, even verging on suicidal tendencies, really questioning whether I wanted to go on with life. And that's where I found meditation. And that was a really big shift for me. It was something that I realized when I went into those deeper states of meditation, which happened very quickly because of the technique that I was using, that I noticed that everything that I'd been looking for in my life, my search for meaning, my search for pleasure, my search for identity, I was starting to find in this beautiful place of tranquility and peace in the meditation. And that was a big shift for me. Wow. So let me ask you this, Tom, then with your finding meditation, was it something that you struggled to incorporate or were you at the stage where you were looking for any type of relief to whatever you were going through at the time? Yeah, I had tried quite a few things. I was really looking for relief. You know, you want to get that pain out of your life and you're looking for anything that could do that. And some people use self-medication like drugs or drinking. Some people use distraction like Netflix or scrolling through TikTok. Some people use gambling. Some people use pharmaceuticals, trying to find a way of alleviating the pain that they're going through. And I managed to come across meditation and it was quite quickly that I found that those anomalies, those pain points started to melt away. Now I had tried things like acupuncture and I've been doing some yoga, getting reflexology, massage, seeing naturopaths, but you know, it was making a little bit of headway, but nothing really substantial compared to what happened when I started doing transcendental meditation, that particular style of meditation. And even before that, I had done a few other different styles of meditation, but I found them very cumbersome or very difficult, very complex. And I just didn't really resonate with them. I wasn't finding I was getting that much traction. And then I came across transcendental meditation, otherwise also known as Vedic meditation, And that was a real game changer for me. Oh, amazing. And is it the same type of meditation you do today? Yeah, you know, 27 years later, I've just literally got off a group meditation with my students this morning. And it's something that I still do on a daily basis. It's um, evolved over time. The practice itself is still 20 minutes, morning and evening. But the mantra that I use has changed slightly over those years. But 
the practice itself, the beautiful thing about it is its simplicity. You just sit for 20 minutes, close your eyes, repeat this sound, and that does all the work for you. And you don't have to try, you don't have to concentrate, you don't have to force yourself into particular states. Just allow the mantra or the sound to do that for you. So it's a very simple but very potent and effective technique that I found works for me. So over the, let's say, almost three decades of you working with this and learning how it impacts your life, what would you say are some of the biggest benefits you yourself got out of it, but also those you teach? Because part of our audience may not have a practice of meditation yet. And I used to be that person too. I didn't have a practice until more recently. So I would love to understand a bit more and us to understand some of those values because you, you shared some already, but I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, you know, it's an ongoing thing of just slowly peeling back layers. You know, it's like having something just got many, many layers to it. You're just unpacking it more and more. And so the first things that I noticed that were very immediate was firstly sleep. I had chronic insomnia and I, I really couldn't sleep. I struggled to fall asleep and I would keep waking up during the night. And that's because I had so much adrenaline and cortisol in my blood because of the nature of the lifestyle that I was living. And when I started to meditate, that cortisol and adrenaline had been reduced and that allowed me to drop into those deeper states of restfulness and deeper states of sleep without getting bumped out because of the cortisol being in my blood. So that was a big thing was I started sleeping better. Then I found because I was sleeping better and I was feeling more relaxed, I had less cortisol, less adrenaline in my blood, that I found that I, during the day, was less anxious. You know, the restless leg, tapping leg syndrome started to drop away. I had less anxiety. I had less panic attacks. And then because we have less anxiety, less panic attacks, we're sleeping better. The depression that I was in, you know, it's very hard for you to produce serotonin, the biochemical, to feel happy if you're in a stress response state. And so we've got to get the body out of the stress response. So I started noticing that I started feeling happier and lighter because I was getting more serotonin and oxytocin in my blood. These were the initial stages that I went through for the first probably few months that were really like, wow, this is amazing. And then as the years went by, I started deepening my spiritual awareness, deepening my practice, deepening the knowledge around the practice and deepening my experience of reality to becoming a lot more of a spiritual experience. So it evolves over time. It's not one thing that just is the same all the way through. It just keeps unfolding and evolving as time goes on. So these days it's more about having a more deeper connection with source or the divine or God, some might say, and being more and more present and more and more heart-centered and bring more love into what I do with my work and my life. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to showcase the value that something as simple as meditation can bring to one's life. And also you just mentioned that it's not, First of all, it's not one size fits all, but it's also changing over time and evolving because you as a person are changing and evolving. And it's a great testament to the fact that we don't need to box ourselves in around specific expectations. Like I'm going to meditate to just get this out of it. You can meditate, start there, and then see where it evolves. And it's such a beautiful example from your own life. Yeah, I guess students will come to me for many different reasons. You know, some students will come to me because they've got anxiety or they've got depression or they're they're feeling lost and purposeless or they're you know they're not sleeping well so a lot of people come to me for a pain point that needs to be removed and then some people a very small portion of people will come to me because they want to deepen their spiritual experience they want to go deeper in their meditation you know, a lot of people have been trying things like calm and headspace and they come to me saying hey I'm, I'm just not getting deep enough now I want to go more and beyond where I'm currently living in my life. And I know that there's something else there. So we've got the carrot and the stick. The carrot is I want to 
lean towards something deeper, more meaningful, more spiritual. And I got the, the, the stick, which is I need to get rid of this pain point. Can you help me? Yeah. And how does one do that? So let's say you have a practice, you, you've got yourself to a level, but now you're struggling to push past whatever barrier you're facing. What are some ways one can push through? What I find is the biggest barrier to people deepening their spiritual experience of life. And I think it's really important as humans that we spend time and dedicate and prioritize time to our spiritual experience. We're always going to be falling short of what it is to be human if we don't know that there's a reality and an existence that we can experience beyond our thinking mind, our feeling emotional body and our physicality. And until we experience that, we're always going to be having some form of limitation in the human experience. And that fourth dimension beyond the three of the physical, mental, and emotional is absolutely critical for us to find freedom and sovereignty. And so a lot of the techniques of meditation out there won't get you into that transcendent experience. This is why transcending is so important. To transcend means to go beyond. If you're listening to a podcast or a guided meditation or someone talking, you're still in the world of duality, which is you listening to that thing. And you're still going to be through the entire process, you, the identity, the ego, the personality, listening to that thing. It could be a Matthew McConaughey bedtime story on karma. Now there's still that duality and you haven't transcended the idea of you existing and you being inspired or motivated or calmed by some other thing. Whereas in transcendence, you, the person that's actually there in that experience, you melt away. It's really quite interesting. And students of mine will say, I felt like my hands disappeared or my legs disappeared. I felt like my body disappeared. I didn't, there wasn't any thoughts. And that's the transcendent experience where you're awake and you exist, but you're not having a thought. You're not having an identification with your physicality and you're not having an identification with the sensations or emotions that you're feeling. You're now in a fourth state, which is just being present in a spiritual experience without the thinking mind, the feeling body or the physicality. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights, and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. And that's how the match is so powerful because like you explained earlier, because your practice is so advanced now, you've got to the stage you can bring a lot of those lessons into your life and become the much better of a person. You have more love in your life. You lead from more love and all these amazing benefits. Now, when your students finally break through that barrier and they get to the next level, what, what would you say are some of the benefits they see right away? Hmm. When they break through that barrier, what they start to find is less reactivity to life. They're much more sovereign in their state and they're able to prevail in a state of quiet witnessing of life from a place of serenity without getting entangled in the emotional charge of being reacting to circumstances and situations because life will continually unfold in front of us in ways that we don't expect. It will continuously and consistently have the potential to disturb us because of unmet expectations. Things just won't happen like we'd hope them to. We might get sacked from our job. Someone might leave us in a relationship 
one of your children might get sick, someone might crash into your car, your phone might <clears throat> stop working. And some of these things are going to have the potential to disturb us emotionally, to make us feel angry, frustrated, or even anxious, or sad, or lonely, or depressed. And so we we have that capacity and what we find with the students who are deepening their spiritual experience, that their state of being, which is always there, it's just that they've become more realized in it, more stabilized in it. Their state of being is uncharged. It's unaffected by those circumstances. And they're able to witness those situations from a state of presence and be much more sovereign in their state. Sovereign means that they, they own their state and the world can't hijack it from them circumstances and situations can't steal it from them and that's what life can be like it can be a theft that comes a thief sorry that comes and takes from you what is your state and that's happening to a lot of us and so when we don't like our state being stolen by circumstances situations then we either medicate or self-medicate to try and hold our state so that we can't lose our state and that's really not the best solution we need to find the part of us that's unruffable the part of us that can't be moved and that's our spiritual being. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. And wouldn't it be amazing for everyone in the world to experience? I believe at least that everyone would be in such a better state if they could experience that. Well, we wouldn't be as moved about negative things happening in our life and building upon them and only looking at the negative side. So you talked about how your practice right now is 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And if someone wants to start and they'll be like, well, you know what, Tom, I don't have 40 minutes a day to just sit in silence and meditate. What's the least amount of time that you've seen people start with and see an immediate benefit? And when I say immediate, it could be seven days, three weeks, a month. Firstly, what I would suggest is we reassess what are our core values and what motivates us into action. So these are the things that I start with, because if we start saying, I don't have the time, what's the bare minimum I can do to find true peace and happiness? And true health. I just want to go back a little bit to what you just said before you started this question, how the world will be better off. In every area of your life, you will be better off. Your relationships will be better when you're less entangled emotionally in the circumstances of life. Your health will be better off. Your dependency on the health system will be much better off. Your capacity to manifest and create and be more dynamic and more successful will be better off. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect. I still grapple with some issues in life. I still have challenges. I still get disturbed and I still get affected by life. It's not like I'm completely immune and, and completely sovereign. We become less affected, more healthy, more dynamic, more stable, and this is better for everyone. And, and, and so firstly, we've got to look at the incredible benefits that come, not just, hey, I find more peace and um, serenity in my life. But what does that look like in your health, in your relationships, in your career, in your finances, in every area of your life? Now, why we're working so hard and why we're filling our life with, that, with so much busyness and why someone will say, I don't have time to meditate, is because we're trying to make all those areas of life good. I mean, that's our ultimate design and ultimate purpose of action is to try and make all those areas of good. So we'll be really busy doing emails. We'll be really busy you know, scrolling through TikToks, we'll be really busy doing lots of work, we'll be really busy, you know, looking after the family. I get all of that. We have day-to-day -day concerns and day-to-day -day commitments. I myself have them as well. But what I've realized is that we must put the horse before the cart and we must prioritize the state that we're in before what we're doing to get into that state. So most people are doing lots of things to create a state that they want to be in. If I can make my work really good, then I'll get into a better state. 
If I can make my relationship really good, then I'll get into a better state. If I can make more money, then I'll get into a better state. I come from things the other way around. Get into a really good state. Meditation will do that. And then go into your career. Then go into your relationship. Then go Mm. into your health. But do it from a state of calmness. Do it from a state of happiness. Do it from a state of equilibrium. And then what you'll find is you'll naturally start to attract in rather than going to you'll have it come towards you, better health, better relationships, better career. Because of the law of attraction, your state will determine more about the success you have in life, in all areas of life, than the doing to get into that state. And this is where the world's a little bit confused, I believe, at the moment, because we believe and we're conditioned and coded by the, the indoctrination of our society and the genetic blueprint that we carry that if we try harder, we might have more success. Whereas what we're starting to learn is if we set up a state and get clear on what it is we want to attract in, yes, there is some doing. I'll still be in action throughout the day. But what's more important is the state that I'm in while I'm doing, not what I'm doing. And so we've got to start thinking about, well, how do I get into that state? Okay, well, now's the good question. How do I get into that state? So we allocate a small portion of your day. Now, your day has 24 hours in it, and every hour has three portions of 20 minutes which means that your day has 72 20-minute pieces of pie that you're currently allocating to finding fulfillment, whether it's sleeping, cleaning the bathroom floor, going to the grocery store or working or going to the movies, going to the gym. All of those actions are motivated to find fulfillment. So if we can prioritize fulfillment first, not from action, but from your own state, from being, from the inner state of being, connect with that state of fulfillment that arises from within you, regardless of circumstances and situations. Then what happens is now we're moving into action from fulfillment, not for fulfillment. And to do that, all you've got to invest out of your 72 20-minute pieces of pie is two out of 72. Park one in the morning around six o'clock when you wake up, seven o'clock, whatever time you wake up, just close your eyes, sit in a chair, and do your meditation for 20 minutes. Then sometime in the afternoon between, let's just say, lunchtime and dinner time window of time between lunchtime and dinner time three four five six seven o'clock at night sit in a chair stop doing what you're doing find a window of time even if it means pulling over in your parked car in between meetings pulling into a side street closing your eyes and meditating then prioritizing getting into that state and then you'll find that it's much easier for you to commit to those two portions of 20 minutes every day and then you'll find immense benefits if i say to you look just do three minutes a day and see how you go. You won't find the benefits there, which means you won't simply do it. We do need to have enough time allocated to this to get some form of benefit. Otherwise, we just won't do it. Wow. That's such an amazing answer to that question. Tom, you gave me a new perspective as well, a new way to look at things. And that's so beautiful the way you explain it. And it makes so much sense when you when you stop and think about it, right? Because like you said, we we chase all these things that are external of us, but really when we sit with ourselves and find it within, then it's going to guide everything else that we do in life. And that explains why, for example, in my case, once I understood what my passions are, what my why is, what my purpose is, life became so much easier despite now having to do a lot more things, technically speaking, right? But it became more effortless. It became more joyful, like you said, more fulfilled despite everything else that happens in our life. And it's a good way to see it, the way you explained it. I love that. I remember being curled up in a ball in a holiday resort that I was on. I was a broker at the time. I was extremely wealthy. I had a beautiful big house. I had, you know, fancy car, everything you could possibly want, multiple six-figure salary. And I remember being curled up in a ball 
in a state of anxiety and depression. It was just really having this wave of deep, deep, dark depression while I was on holiday in a very affluent resort. And I was going through on my fingers counting all of the things that I should be grateful for that I had that were immense benefit in my life. And I'd worked really hard to get those things. You know, I'd driven and pushed myself so hard, yet I'd spent so much time in the doing and in the acquiring that in the the consequences of that, trying so hard to acquire those things, I couldn't experience the happiness and joy of having them because I'd become so stressed and so anxious and so depressed in the process of trying to get those things. So when I did get them, I couldn't enjoy the delights of them. And even though I could account for them on my hands, my body was so riddled with stress because I was in the sympathetic nervous system. And that's where a lot of the world is at. We've become more affluent. We have greater access to wealth than ever before in the history of humankind. We have greater access to health and education than we've ever had in the history of humankind. More access to food than we've ever had. Just walk into a supermarket in 90% of the world's locations. Obviously, there's still some um, places in the world that don't have access to food and health and education, but predominantly most of the world now has immense access to food, health, education, affluence beyond measure, TV screens, nice cars, Uber Eats, Netflix, Spotify, yet we still have probably the highest rates of medication, anxiety, and depression that we've ever seen in the history of humankind. So it's not the getting of things that's going to lead us to happiness, because that in itself, the getting of those things, the process of getting those things, which we're seeing more and more, is leading us into greater states of anxiety and depression. So it really is more important that we look at what state are we in more than what we're getting or what we're experiencing as the number one priority and the highest preference we've got to give. That's such a, an amazing and beautiful way to look at it, Tom. So thank you again for sharing that. Let me ask you this. So now you're a meditation teacher. You've done some amazing things in your life. When you speak with people, let's say either in a corporate environment or even someone in a blue-collar job, what's the immediate reaction when you're challenging the thought process that, hey, it's more about taking a step back finding the fulfillment within yourself and then going and chasing all these things. And really, you're not, be, not, not going to be chasing them then, but going after them. What's the reaction you usually get from people? Is it something that they get right away or is it more like, mm. now you challenge me, I need, to, I need to think? Yeah, for most people, it's something that they resonate with because the wisdom is something that we don't, we don't learn. Wisdom isn't something that we get in a podcast Wisdom isn't something we find in a book. Wisdom is innate. It's, it's something that arises from within us. We are actually the source of wisdom. And when we hear something that has wisdom embedded in it, we, 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 we tend to like don't even notice that we're kind of nodding because, yeah, that resonates with me. And it resonates because there's, there's wisdom in it that you resonate with because it's resonating with your wisdom, that you are the wisdom that someone is sharing that you already know. And so for, for most people who are open and open to the inner wisdom within them and not too caught up in the ideologies, they, they, you find them just like you're just doing your nodding because it resonates, okay? And so for most of the audience that I'm at in corporate settings, conferences, things like that, there's a general sense of acknowledgement that this has wisdom embedded in what that person's saying. Now, it's not me, this is a wise person. Everyone is wise. This is the most people aren't listening to that wisdom within them. They're listening to the intellect, which is coded and conditioned. Sometimes, though, there's some people that, because it challenges their current status quo and they want to hold on to that status quo, and that's totally fine as well. If someone told me five years before I'd learned to meditate all these things, I would have just told them that they're an idiot and to leave my life because that's very annoying. (laughs) So there's no right or wrong. 
this is a, some people have to be ready to hear it and some people just aren't ready to hear it. And that's totally fine as well. Absolutely. But what I love about what you just said as well is that even if you're not ready to hear it, let's say you get the message because you had no choice and you had to listen to Tom for five minutes or 10 minutes. It may not help you in the moment, but it will come a time when it will become beneficial because now you internalize that wisdom and it's within you. So there will be a time when you've done enough steps, climbed enough steps where the wisdom will kick in. Because I remember my life, I had many of those moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember someone talking about that and talking about that. I just wasn't ready at that moment to do something about it. Yeah, I remember a friend giving me a book to read and it was a very advanced book on spirituality. And I, I tried to read it. I got in a few pages and just didn't resonate with it. And I put it on my shelf and I never, you know, never looked at it again for a while. And then one day, many years later, I was sort of browsing through my books on my bookshelf and I, I picked up that book. And I started reading it and goes, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. This is like mind-blowing. This is so profound. And all that had happened was the, the content within the book hadn't changed, but I'd evolved to the point where I was now ready to align congruently with the message that was in the book. And it's just like someone that's in first class learning one plus one equals two and two plus two equals four. Now down here, we have quantum mechanics, quantum physics, quantum you know, science, happening in fourth year university and that same person if you put them into fourth year university when they're doing one plus one equals two they would just be baffled and it's like this is just baloney but at some point they move along the sequence now quantum physics is here it is, is available when they're here but it's just here it's still available in this field it's just that they haven't moved to that point where they can be congruent enough and aligned enough to hear it and so that's where we're at as a species that we're moving along our evolutionary timeline and as a collective we're doing it individually and some people sort of move a little bit more quickly along that timeline but collectively we're just not to that point where most of this sort of spiritual esoteric knowledge is is ready for them to be able to be received or absorbed and that's okay as well there's no judgment in that we just got to accept that this is where we're at in our cycle of human existence and i would imagine the more work we do on ourselves individually the more we get to, to to helping others see the things that we're seeing without trying to change any of them. It's just by becoming a better version of ourselves, by becoming more enlightened ourselves through these processes like meditation and others, others will see that and they can raise together with us, right? So that's at least how I see us as evolving as a planet, really. And you talk about an enlightened planet. And I would imagine, and I would like you to talk more about it, but I would imagine it's very similar, right? Like it starts with one individual and then it, the ripple effect grows and grows. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a phenomenon called the event horizon, which is a sphere of influence. And the people that we impact the most in life are the people that we come into contact with. And the way a lot of people learn and grow is through osmosis, particularly children being around parents. A lot of people ask me, you know, do you work with, with children? I said, not necessarily. I'd prefer to work with stressed parents because if stressed parents become less stressed and then by default, they start living a more serene, healthy, natural, loving life. The children which learn through osmosis, children absorb and learn by observing more than what they get told. And so if they're watching their mother and father drinking lots and fighting lots and screaming lots and punching lots, and they're going to normalize to that as a way of living. And that's going to be sort of part of their sort of indoctrination and part of their program that they start to operate their life by. But if they see their parents sitting down and they're meditating and they're calm and they manage to communicate effortlessly through 
their differences and have more love and kindness and tenderness and, and share that love and kindness and tenderness with the outer world outside the family unit as well. And they just live a very different life. Then the children are going to grow through that way of learning by just watching the way their parents. And then the same with friends and family as well. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you start meditating, everyone around you is going to start meditating. But certainly there's this there's these touch points, these little bits of impact that can happen. And the good thing is now we've got social media so we can touch people all around the world with our message and our voice and podcasts so we can say things, you know, you're over in a different part of the world to me. And we're recording this now, but then people for many months, possibly years to come, can hear this message and it can touch them in some way. So we've got this wonderful invention of technology and social media and things like that that enable this message to, like you say, spread quite quickly. And I think that's how we're going to see Enlightened Planet happening very quickly. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And I love that example with the children and parents. And that's how I see it as well, because as I started working on myself and I stopped trying to change everyone else around me, every circumstance, and I started to look inwards and start to change myself, I started seeing changes in the people around me and in the experiences around me and in everything that came into my life. And that I believe in itself is so, so powerful to realize that, wait a second, it's not about giving your power away and trying to change everyone, but it's about trying to work on yourself and do that. And meditation, by the sounds of it, based on your experience, Tom, it, it will allow you to not just do that, but do it like at such a level that it's going to make your life that much better. And look, I want to just also make a note that you know meditation is not a one-hit wonder. It's it's about powerful tool. It's a tool that is at the core of my tools that I use for ongoing personal development. You know, there's breath work, there's yoga, there's ice baths, there's saunas, there's eating well, there's reading good books, listening to good podcasts. Some people use plant medicine. There's so many different modalities. There's twirling dervishes and acupuncture and Qigong and you know I want to acknowledge and and recognize all of the great things that we can incorporate in our day in some way shape or form or our life to personal development spiritual awakening and meditation isn't something that I could say to anyone just rely on that and that alone it's one of those tools that I use in conjunction with many other modalities to continually forge a better more meaningful more healthy more happy life just wanted to make sure that we don't ignore all the other things that we need to do as well. And I love that message, Tom, especially because I'm also a big believer in exactly what you said, but also the fact that it's not one tool that will fix all your problems. There's no such thing. But by the sounds of it as well, it's also a tool that can help you find the other tools that will work for you and help put you on a path that's that's best for you. And like you said, plant medicine could be a path that someone will use to connect to their higher self, God, universe, while others may do that through, through meditation. Or a mix, right? And each person's path is their path, their unique path. But enjoy the fact that there's so many tools that you can tap into. Yeah. I find that the the deep transcending experience in meditation it is so important as well as all the others because it really helps us get out of the conditioned neurological patterns of the mind, the tendencies, the patterns of thinking. We get these they call vasanas in Sanskrit, which is a tendency for your mind to think in a particular way. And a lot of that conditioning is done through our genetic disposition. You will get a, a program from our parents and our great-grandparents and down through our ancestry. We'll also get it from the society that we grew up in. So if we grew up in a particular society with a social fabric, culture, religious indoctrination, 
then that will be the way our mind has these patterns of thinking. So when we transcend in meditation, we free ourselves from the thinking mind, the thoughts, and we access consciousness itself. And I think this is what's really important for us as a human species is to expand consciousness, become more aware, to not just live through the thinking mind, but to actually connect with conscious awareness that can watch the thinking mind. And from now, watching the thinking mind from conscious awareness, we start to discriminate as to whether those thoughts in the thinking mind are serving us in our life and whether we want to start changing the nature of those thoughts from the conscious awareness. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. And if I may, let me ask you this question about the transcendent meditation. So you said it's sitting down in a chair, closing your eyes, and then having a sound played. What, what, what are those sounds that you would play to, get, mm. to help you get in the state? So we give the, the sound, it's, it's called a mantra. Man is where we get the word mind, and tra, T-R-A is a vehicle. Mantra is a mind vehicle. And the student will get a particular mantra based upon a number of different factors that the teacher will decide when they come into the teacher's presence. And the teacher will allocate that mantra, the sound that student will repeat silently inside their head. And it's, it actually is what's called a primordial vibration or a frequency. And the frequency of that sound or that mantra, by repeating it over and over again silently inside your head without moving your tongue or your lips, it puts the mind and the body into deeper and deeper states of deep restfulness and quietness. It takes the mind from the outer world of the world of forms and phenomenon which is where our mind's always going. Our mind's always going to a particular form, an object, a phenomenon in the future, past or present that creates some form of excitation. There's a degree of excitation that happens when the mind lands on that particular form, future, past or present, and it creates a degree of excitement inside of us. And that's why the mind goes to those locations outside of us to get that excitation, that stimulation. And it could be negative or positive, it doesn't really matter. But the mantra takes the mind in the opposite direction, away from those forms and phenomenon, towards formlessness, towards silence, towards stillness. Now, the mind won't have the inclination to do that. It doesn't naturally want to go to stillness and silence. It wants to go to excitation, to forms and phenomenon. So we use the mantra as a mechanism to lure the mind, come this way instead. Don't go that way, come this way. And so the repetition, the quiet repetition of that mantra lures the mind inward to the quieter states rather than the busier states. And is this mantra something you repeat for the whole 20 minutes, both times during the day, or is it for 10 minutes and then you allow it to be? Such a good question. What will happen is we'll repeat the mantra with the intention to repeat it as long as we need to. And as it gets quieter, as the mind goes deeper and deeper, it gets closer and closer to what we call the source of bliss, which is called pure consciousness. Why it's the source of bliss is because when the mind is no longer thinking positive or negative, future or past, right or wrong, black or white. When the mind is now in deeper and deeper states, what happens is there's such a charming, blissful quality about that state of pure consciousness that the mind will spontaneously surrender the mantra and spontaneously surrender thinking. It finds thinking or mantra inconsequential and unappealing in relationship to the bliss that it finds in pure consciousness. So what will happen is there's this beautiful, spontaneous relinquishing of thoughts and mantra. And now the mind is still because it's satiated. It's in bliss consciousness where the mind is no longer thinking because it's actually found the most pleasurable experience it can find. So you might find in those deeper states that you've spontaneously let go of the mantra and spontaneously let go of thinking. 
But what can happen is because it's a very deep state physiologically where the mind is awake, you haven't fallen asleep, you're still awake and you're not having a thought. It's a really deep state of physiological rest. And in that deep state of physiological rest, the body will start unlocking stresses. If there's any stresses in the body, and pretty much everyone has stresses in the body, the body starts releasing those stresses. It's like when we get that twitch at night when we're falling asleep. And that's the same thing. The mind's going quiet. The body's going quiet. The body releases stresses. The unraveling and the reorganizing of the physiology, and this is where it becomes very physiological. It's very somatics. We're doing a lot of somatic healing here because the body's got an intelligence to clear the stresses out of the body. And this will in turn sometimes bump us out of the meditation. We'll get some degree of activity happening in the body as it's reorganizing itself. This will bump us out of meditation, which will stimulate the mind. And now we're back to thinking again. So we can have that happening in our meditation throughout the meditation quite a few times where we drop down into stillness, get bumped out again, drop down into stillness and get bumped out again. And that undulation is what we recognize as part of the process. And we do a lot of teaching in the course, in the workshop, where we're training people how to meditate, why they're going to get thoughts in meditation and why that's actually okay and why it's a good thing. Because my mistake when I started meditating, or one of them at least, was being very judgmental to the fact that I had thoughts coming in. And I was trying so hard to not have any thoughts. And of course, you and I both know that the harder you try to not Mm -hmm. have them, you're going to have more. I'm happy to to hear what you just shared because it's so beautiful. It's quite ironic that thoughts in meditation can actually mean that you're meditating quite well. You're getting a lot of benefits out of your meditation. It's just not what we expect meditation to be. We think meditation should be about stillness and silence. And one of the big things that surprises people when I teach them the course of meditation is when I share with them the mechanical process as to why you're going to get thoughts in meditation, why that indicates stress being cleared out of the body. And that's a good thing. And our primary focus with the particular style of meditation that I teach, Vedic meditation, is the primary focus of that is actually to clear stress out of the system, not to get into stillness. When we get attached to stillness, then we're going to get in the way of the process. What we want to do is surrender our attachment and expectation of the process and just go through the process and whatever unravels and whatever unfolds in the process, we just take it as it comes. It's all part of the process. It's all part. Amazing, amazing stuff. And would you say now yourself after about 30 years of doing this, your mantras change frequently or you have the same mantra for the last X amount of years? And do you find that it's easier now for you to get to that state where you know it's your brain is in such bliss and of course you're going to get kicked out of it but i would imagine over time it's going to become easier and easier to get to the state and maybe stay longer not the entire time yeah definitely definitely you get into the state more quickly and more easily you you identify and very familiar with the state and you can stay in that state for long long periods of time many many hours if you choose to and wish to the mantra itself will change based upon the instruction from the teacher what I tend to suggest to my students is after about three to five years of using their first mantra, they might want to look at getting what we call an advanced mantra, which is a a longer mantra. And that gives them a more expansive experience. The first mantra gives them a deeper, more vertical, more restful and nourishing experience. And then the second one gets a little bit broader and a bit vaster and more expansive. And over the years, you can get a few more extra mantras to continually expand your experience of life. And then I give him some more advanced processes to go through, which are very much about sort of stabilizing and being much more present in every moment. It's a very diligent practice that I give my students. 
which um, is beyond the meditation itself. It's about what you do outside of meditation. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would imagine like many other things in life, you mentioned plant medicine, but any other practices, I would imagine a big part of it is also about integrating all the lessons and everything that you learn while you're in meditation, for example. How important have you seen that part? Like exactly what you said, like what you do outside of the meditation with what you've gathered within the meditation. Yeah, a lot of people I find in spiritual practices, and I definitely was one of them myself, get very attached and identified by either the teacher or the practice itself. And we've got to remember that the teacher or the practice just vehicles to get to a particular state. And we don't want to get obsessed about the teacher or the practice or the 20 minutes that I'm getting into that particular state. The whole purpose of all of that is to sustain a state, to realize our true nature, to realize that we're not the personality, we're not the physical form, we're not the mental form, we're not the emotional form. We're divinity expressing itself in a form, as a form, and that we want to stabilize that awareness, that experience of presence and being, our divine nature, whilst Yes, whilst we're in meditation, but also whilst we're outside of meditation. It's really more important what we're doing outside of meditation. Have we integrated this into daily life? Are we walking and breathing as the expression of lovingness, gentle, kind awareness? And of course, we're going to not always be in that state. We're going to be overridden and hijacked by our personality and its desires and its sense of lack and fears and phobias and regrets and shames and guilts. And that's all part of the construct of the ego. And so that ego will then come in and supersede or hijack or or be like a thief in the night that comes and removes you from your current fundamental absolute nature, which is your divine essence, and then it will impose itself into your own experience of life and it will, will say, no, this is who you are. You're all of these things and so we buy into that and what we want to do with our practice is, yes, definitely have our meditation practice as part of our daily process for stabilizing our true essence but then over time get more and more diligent at integrating that divine essence into our eyes open waking experience so that when we're in a rush for the plane at the airport and we're running late to see if we can be present in that moment as well which is always hard (laughs) but it's something to aim for for sure and i know that you not only wrote about meditation but you also had a beautiful film the portal maybe we can chat a bit about that because it's something that everyone should at least take a take a quick look at it and see if that's something for them but what what inspired you to create that the book and the movie i was inspired by the secret which managed to take a very esoteric subject the law of attraction and make it very mainstream they they brought it into the households of the world it was quite a phenomenal feat that they could and it was one of the first of its kinds you know we've had a lot of films since then on spirituality, personal development, food, all that sorts of stuff. But that was really the first of its kind to have a documentary in that sort of genre, in that space. And I remember when it came out, I remember watching it, that I particularly recall the night that I watched it was in a group, a meditation session, and, and we watched it on a TV, about 20 of us. And we were just in awe that you could see some of this content actually on a TV, you know, in a documentary, because no one had ever done that before. And it was, it was very exciting for me. And not only was it exciting that they managed to create a 90-minute experience that was really enlightening. And I remember being very elevated as a response to watching that and very excited by it. But also I was quite 
blown away by the financial success that they'd had with that and not to hide from this, but that was also quite compelling that they managed to make it a global financial success. And so I thought, well, no one's really done that with meditation. And although The Secret touched on this idea that, you know, think of something and you'll manifest it, I felt that they were missing some key ingredients and that was the how. They weren't really talking about how to get into those states to attract those things. They kind of, what I felt was a little bit superficial, that if you just think of it, you're going to attract it. And I thought what was really missing was how to help people that are highly stressed, highly anxious, in a chronic sympathetic nervous system state, it's going to be very difficult for them to just suddenly start attracting abundance and success and calm and health and vitality. We need to give them tools to get them into that state, to help them get that state. And so that's where I thought we could make a movie about meditation. And it was a very windy path. And from the movie, we were going to extract the book. And that was always the goal, to make the movie and then pull the book out of the movie, which is what we did. So we did a windy path and eventually got there and managed to create the film. The film was originally called The Stillness Effect, which was going to look at the effect that stillness has on our lives and how much it transforms our lives. And it kind of morphed and changed over the the time as it went through quite a few sort of versions or renditions. And why did you stick to the portal? Is it because it's a portal essentially between your human experience and your soul? Yeah. Yeah. Meditation is the portal. Meditation is the gateway to something that's missing on the planet. And what's missing on the planet is this realization of our own true nature and stillness and silence in meditation, particularly transcendence in meditation, is the pathway, the portal to that realm. And what's what I feel is missing in the world and what was certainly missing in my life, and my life was chaotic, it was painful, it was really brutal. And it didn't suddenly just become this enlightened state. It's an ongoing process. So just to let people know that you know, all of a sudden you don't become this enlightened monk straight away. It definitely changed my life so dramatically when I started to learn how to transcend into this this realm, which was blissful, it was gentle, it was loving, it was quiet, it was peaceful. And the portal is is meditation. And we need to have more of that, I think, in the world. Then as a result of having more of that in the world, then we'll find there'll be less crisis, less chaos, less disease less discord, less conflict, and greater harmony, greater health, greater happiness. That's that's an amazing goal. And I have no doubt that we are moving in the direction and we will see it sooner rather than later. But let me ask you this, Tom. How have you seen it progress over, let's say, the last 10 years in terms of acceptance towards meditation, a desire to move towards more holistic and natural approaches to, to dealing with stress, anxiety, and everything else, right? Meditation is one tool, but there's so many others you mentioned. Have you seen a progress in humanity in at least being more open-minded to doing these things? It's been exponential. It's absolutely phenomenal what's happening in the world right now. The the growth in this area, I think it's one of the fastest growing areas. You know, yoga in nearly every city in the world now. You know, 100 million people using the Calm Meditation app. 100 million people using an app to help them to meditate. Uh, We're seeing meditation centers popping up, meditation apps popping up. We're seeing such an incredible rapid acceleration of awareness about not just the tool of meditation, but what it gives us and what's possible for humanity. And I'm really excited about if that's what's happened in the last 10 years, I mean, where do we go in another 10 or 20 years? I really think um, we're going to see huge shifts where every school will have meditation in it. Every organization and company will have meditation in it. I think, you know, we've got 
a move towards individuals embracing it, which is usually the first point of call. Uh, I'm working with some of the biggest companies in the world, Amazon, Oracle, Coca-Cola, Qantas. I spoke at Harvard. So, you know, it's really exciting. We're on the tip of the iceberg and we're going to see, I think, in the next 10 to 20 years, a huge shift in the awakening of the planet. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I cannot wait to see how that evolves. And I'm with you, Tom. I'm seeing a lot of changes in the environment, I mean, right, corporate life and, and personal life and what people are more open to. And, of course, it's still a long way to go, but there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of uh, good hope as well, right, because we're seeing all these changes. So when it comes to your movie or the books or if people want to find out more about what you do and the meditation teachings you do, where can they find you? Where should they go? They can find a lot of my work at tomcronin.com, just T-O-M-C-R-O-N-I and tomcronin.com, or they can go to Instagram, tomcronin, one word. And then to watch the film, they can go to enter the portal. We've got that film out to the world for free. We've decided to give that to the world. So everyone can watch that film for free now. And they just go to entertheportal.com and then they can watch it from there. Perfect. And I'll make sure to have all those links in the show notes for everyone to see. And I have one last question for you before I pass it over to see if there's anything else you want to touch on. If there was one thing that people can do today to make a difference in their life, what would you say that is? I'd have to say meditate. And, you know, really thinking about the priorities of your day because every moment we have competing preferences. In every moment, you know, do I get on this podcast and listen to this or do I go on to Netflix or do I scroll through TikTok or do I go and check my emails? And so every moment is competing preference. Do I have strawberry ice cream or chocolate ice cream? Do I watch Yellowstone or do I watch Orange is the New Black? You know, we've got always competing preferences in every single moment. So just be a little bit more mindful in each moment before you make that decision as to what you're going to allocate your time towards. Even if it's allocating priorities in your day, looking at your day before you start your day, the night before or the morning you when you wake up and looking at the routine and the schedule of your day. And can you allocate some time to deepening your connection to you, to transcending the world of duality, the world outside of you and deepening your spiritual connection, meditating and putting some time aside to withdrawing from the world of senses, the world of pleasure and allocating some preferential treatment to your meditation. I think it'll be the best thing you could do for your life. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Tom, it's been such a pleasure. I've learned so much, honestly. You've challenged my belief system in certain parts, and I love that aspect of these conversations where we all get to learn together and, and grow together as human beings. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before I let you go for the day, something that maybe we haven't touched upon but may, may be important in the moment? Life is difficult at times, and it's most likely going to get quite challenging in the next few years. We've got a whole bunch of things in front of us, like AI, environment, potential nuclear catastrophe, all sorts of things. We've got elections coming up and we've got interest rates doing all sorts of things, inflation. Life presents difficulties and challenges, and we can go into those as a victim and be crushed and demoralized and overwhelmed by them. We could also, and it's very hard to do this, but if we can, it makes a huge difference in how we move through those difficult moments. We can see them as opportunities where there's not some design here trying to kick you in the teeth or you know, knock you down. What it is is the universe is trying to guide us. It's trying to move us forward. And difficult scenarios, difficult situations are purely opportunities for us to, to learn something we're not learning, to, to, to find something out that we've been missing, to be supported 
when we don't realize that we're being supported and be much more open to this experience being something that is somehow in some way, shape or form guiding you and moving you forward. And it will be revealed to you. You will realize why it happened and what you were there to learn from it. And you might not learn it the first time, the second time or the third time, but the universe won't give up. It might make things continuously difficult until the realization drops and the action has been embraced and the the adaptation has been experienced. And so if we can look at life's difficulties with a bit more of an open eye and just ask that question, how is this supporting me? How is this giving me an opportunity to learn and grow and evolve? Then you'll find that the difficulty the moment will melt away quite quickly once that lesson's been learned. What a powerful message to leave the audience with. Thank you, Tom. That's that's amazing. And thank you for sharing your time with us and your knowledge. I cannot wait to dive deeper into the work you do and work even more on my meditation practice. Thank you again. Thanks for creating the space for us both today. And thank you for everyone for joining in and sharing space with me today. It's been wonderful to, to be with you all today. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do. And I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at UnleashThyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at UnleashThyselfToday, TikTok and YouTube at UnleashThyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose with purpose. See you in the next episode.